Hi everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti and this is episode 24 of Yogaland. On today's episode, my guest is Dana Trixie Flynn. Dana is the co-founder of Laughing Lotus and Laughing Lotus has locations in New York, San Francisco, and Brooklyn, and it is soon to be opening in the 7th District of New Orleans, thanks to Dana. So that's the project we're going to talk about today. And I learned so much in this interview with Dana. I've, I've known her for years, but I never really looked up her background until this interview. And it's a pretty fascinating path. And this interview kind of brought all of the pieces together for me of who she is. So she went to Cornell and then became a stockbroker in the 80s. And she was very successful as a stockbroker. And um, that success spurred her to open her own restaurant in Hell's Kitchen. She was always loved to dance. She was the self-identified disco queen. And Trixie's just became like the cool spot for everyone to go. It was wildly successful. She was scouted by MTV and became an MTV reporter for a little while. But a few years into into Trixie's, she just was feeling kind of lost, like so many of us feel in our 20s. You know, that bridge from adolescence to adulthood can be really, really challenging. So she was feeling lost. She was struggling with addiction. And she eventually found yoga. And, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. But I will just say that, you know, Dana brings so much music and fun and energy into her teaching and into her practice. And she's like the life of the party. She really brings people together. So this project in New Orleans is just the culmination of all of that for her. She's going to have live jazz bands. It is donation-based, so it's going to be for the whole community around the studio. She's calling it Yoga Church because she bought an old church um, and is restoring that. So that's what we talk about today. And uh, she's just a really inspiring person doing great work. And she has an Indiegogo campaign that I will put on the show notes page, yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 24. So you can contribute and just think like, even if you just donate $5, if all of us just donated $5, it would help go toward someone's very first free yoga class in New Orleans. It's pretty cool to think about. And, you know, as we know, like if we want to have a community and we want to bring people together, we have to support our own community with projects like these. So that's my little pitch. Enjoy the interview with Dana. It was very free forum because Dana is a very free forum person. um, And I tried to just go with it. I hope you enjoy it. See you on the other side. So you're in the seventh ward in New Orleans. How did this whole project idea come about? And how did you find the church? So I first drove across America, probably later than some kids did, you know, and you take that drive and you're like, let's drive across America. Maybe that was, even though I came from a very competitive Jewish neighborhood where I grew up, I never took across America as a kid. So I was, I owned Trixie's, the restaurant that I had. And about five years into it, I was working, actually working on a project in LA. So my girlfriend and I at the time, Laura, she's a singer songwriter. She's amazing. We drove across America. I guess we didn't drive like across. We went like from New York down, down to yeah. Memphis, New Orleans, Nashville, because she's a singer. And we got to New Orleans. It was Easter weekend. And, you know, there was an Easter parade and they were throwing beads. And there was bonnets and ball gowns and the beautiful Mississippi River and the trees are so beautiful down here. It's so lush because it gets so much rain. And then 
all the cemeteries are above ground and there's these things called second lines, Andrea, that go on where like, whether it's whatever celebration, it can even be a death celebration. Like the way in India, they celebrate you, like take you through the streets. Like they dance on your uh, top of your coffin here. Yeah. But they take to the street singing and dancing. And that's what a second line is called. So music lives in the streets here. Music is, a, is like the culture. Like you feel like at any turn, like you're going to hear music just coming around out of the flowers. There's always a festival. There was a Louis Armstrong Sachimo festival. And then, then there's a jazz fest and French quarter fest. And then this Halloween, there's a voodoo fest. There's always a festival. There's always singing and dancing. And that's you. That's you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that keeps me connected to my spirit, to each other, to like a community, to the spirit of togetherness, like uplifting. You know, I feel like these are the practices that are uplifting when we were kids. We, I bet your little girl and she hears music. It's the best. You start to move and dance. Like it's in our nature to feel that kind of joy, you know? Mm -hmm. And so even though they've had just so much happen in their life and so much difficulty like all of us they don't sit around crying about it it's like well this life is going to happen there's going to be birth and there's going to be death we're going to sing and dance in the streets it's not avoidance it's not denial it's like they're going to celebrate life while they're here Mm -hmm. and so that spirit had me like just in love with the people in love with the vibe and it was crazy Andrea because I was like years later I came down Jasmine and I were together 14 years and we're still very close and so we would come down here. We would teach at Sean Johnson's. In fact, the Laughing Lotus kicked off his first tour because Sean, nobody knew Sean Johnson. He was down here in New Orleans. Katrina not only put New Orleans on the map, but Katrina put him on the map because he had to go sing for a supper. Yeah. So wow. we called all the yoga studios from here to Connecticut, all the way out to California and said, hey, and we, we introduced Sean. We recorded a live at Laughing Lotus album with Sean, and he went off and sang and sold those CDs and sang for his supper. Wow. And then everybody found out about Sean Johnson because he was down here in New Orleans and nobody really knew about him then. And so it was a beautiful thing in the difficulty, like Shiva, that like here he is something so tragic and such a huge ending, it seemed. I mean, his own, he lost his own home to water, 10 feet of water, every childhood photo and memory was lost oh my gosh and he packed up the van and the wife he had a different wife at the time and just went and sang around town and everybody found out more about him more about new orleans more about the spirit of the people down here that this isn't just a town for mardi gras and bourbon street that it's like yoga it's jazz and yoga are a lot alike this is the birthplace of jazz it's a way of life yeah it's a way of being yeah and jazz is always creative and always new same with yoga. Yeah. So there's a lot of, in that creative process, much like Ann Cushman writes about Krishnamacharya and the lineage from loin from loincloths to leotards. I don't know if you know that article. Yeah, I do remember that one. Yeah, it's wonderful. She really helps us feel the innovation from Krishnamacharya and that the tradition is a living, breathing thing and that the yoga exists within the practitioner. Yeah. You know, and so this is that like the jazz and the yoga have this similar vibe. And like Miles Davis even said, it takes a long time to learn how to play like yourself. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, whether it's Jason finding what his voice is or so me true. or Rodney or names we don't even know. Like it takes just a lot of showing up. And then it's like, oh, that class with Jason is like this class with Jasmine is like this. 
you really feel who they are and that takes time. Right. So, okay, let's go back a little bit to your, your earlier yoga days. So, oh, wait, so let me tell you how I found New Orleans. Okay. So, I was off to the Bali Spirit Fest, and we've been teaching in Australia a lot. Lotus Flow has really taken on a global love affair with people and a great reception. Like, people love the architecture and they love the freedom and, and understanding how you can have form and formlessness uh-huh. and structure and freedom and discipline and freedom. And so, we just celebrated 17 years. Congratulations. That is huge. Which I know I told you the other day. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. It's so amazing. Yeah. And, um, you know, certainly it's just me getting out of my way long enough to share what I love and have everybody find their, their practice and make it their own and keep it alive for them. So I was, I was like, I can't come to New Orleans. I was just done here Thanksgiving and early January and I was going to come back because I'm like, I love it. I love it. I bought a bicycle. That means I live here, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm just going to buy a little house and spend more time down here. Some people like the Hamptons. Some people like, you know, like that are in the Bay Area go to like Sonoma or yeah. Sonoma and mm-hmm. all that. And I was like, well, I love it here. So then I was about to go to Bali and about to cancel my trip. I was teaching at Sean's and Wild Lotus and at Michelle, uh, who has Swan River, Jeevan Mukti. And all of a sudden, my soul was like, you promise? I heard this. And I'm not like super over-the-top vibey. You know, I usually find my partners are kind of have a, you know, that connection. But I was like, you promised your soul you're going to New Orleans. I was like, you did promise your soul. But now your soul is going, you promised your soul. So I took that trip in March. I only got to come down for like two nights and three days. And this church found me. How did they find you? Like what? This church just found me. I was looking for a little house, you know, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. Or a porch would have been nice. Yep. And I come biking on my little bike that I bought. And uh, I mean, community's always been my heart. And it was, it was more like a calling, Andrea. I was like, I'll just find a little house for me, right? And my, my spirit's like, girl, you got the call to serve. You're opening up. You're going to make an offer. I don't even own anything. So I was like, how am I going to buy a church? I don't even own my own kicks. You yeah, know? yeah. Luckily, I don't have any collateral, but the yoga center in New York is doing well. So that's how it happened. But I was like, okay, I'm called to open up a community center in the 7th Ward in New Orleans. And the last time this church was renovated was after Katrina. Yeah. It's got like three different roofs on it. Termites ate the entire inside. Oh, my gosh. Water damage. So outside the structure looks like ready to go. But inside, it's like our own life. Yeah. It's like yoga rebuilds like the inside job. Like we work as hard as we do on the outside as we do on the inside. And so here we are with this structure on the outside is fine. But inside, it needs renovation. It needs nourishment. It needs a foundation. In order to have a strong roof, you got to have a solid foundation. Mm -hmm. So the metaphors are all over the place for me personally. Like, running around teaching, having this beautiful community in New York, San Francisco. I was just out there for my birthday. And Brooklyn, there's a lot of karma yoga involved. Like, that's my passion. This is going to be the first time it's going to be donation. We're going to try that, try the model down here so that we can, you met some of my neighbors, so yeah. that we can really do outreach. People doing yoga now are still white. Right. And even if I go to a yoga center here, it's the same thing. Uh-huh. So, you know... I I just really hope that the diversity and the inclusivity and, you know, that there's just an outreach that everybody feels like 
that in the spirit of together, you know, under a very personal path, that in the spirit of togetherness that we can, you know, lift each other up and that there's an energy there that you can tap into. So that whatever, if you're devoted to Jesus, you'll be more devoted to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Whatever you're devoted to, it will magnify that love for what you're devoted to your family, to becoming kinder, mm -hmm. less angry, more patient, more loving. I mean, certainly everybody could. Yeah. We could all have more, you know, we could all live with more love in our life. And in, in this, my, my, my yoga is this ecstatic love for God through service. Mm -hmm. Some call that bhakti yoga, but that's, that's my passion mm -hmm. is to give back. And you're also just like, you are just incredibly gifted at, I think, bringing people together. I mean, we can talk about, you know, you did that from the very beginning when you opened that restaurant that you mentioned, Trixie's in New York uh, yeah, in the yeah, 80s. Yeah. Like you, st you're young, right? In your 20s, you opened this restaurant yeah. and it 25. just became this gathering place for all these people. They felt like they had a home that they could be themselves, you know? Yeah, and, that, and now yeah. here we are. We don't need the alcohol. You know, we're not, we're a yoga community that um, drinks up the nectar of friendship and drinks up the nectar of the practices and uses the tools of the practices to transform. So alcohol is not served at any of our yoga centers. I know there's, it's okay what anyone else does, vino and vinyasa parties, but we are really looking to connect deeply and find that, you know, happiness has to come from a deeper place and nothing, you know, except for this energy of the community to lift us up. But, you know, like a lot of those behaviors for me, Swapping out destructive behaviors for positive behaviors is a big part of my story. Mm. And it's one I like to share because there's a lot of that in the neighborhood where there's a lot of pain and people don't know how to deal with it. And so they turn to substances. Mm -hmm. So there's no judgment here. I'm the one that came from that place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's my story. Mm -hmm. So I want to show that there's a loving way to use these tools to work with some of those challenges and turn them into opportunities to really grow, right? No, no mud, no lotus. Mm, true. You know, that it's part of our story. I don't have to, I don't have to keep it a secret, but I can also other people that have, you know, had those, that personal challenge of behaviors that are not loving and supportive, very destructive, have an opportunity to turn their life around and yoga. You know, the first thing that Jessica Char says in his book from his father is like, with yoga, the impossible becomes possible. Mm. You know, the unknowable becomes seen. And so the perfect example is you can't touch your toes and then you keep practicing and you touch your toes, right? And so, you know, a lot of the behaviors that sabotage this beautiful life I have start to shift to make room to let this light in, even if a small crack in somebody's thinking can let the light in. And so I'm excited to share what's changed my life. Yeah. So is that what kind of, I mean, I, I was sort of reading about your personal history and you were just incredibly successful. You know, you had been a successful stockbroker and then you were a successful rest restaurateur. And was it struggles with addiction that kind of made you feel like this version of me which I think you called yourself Trixie at the time, right? Yeah, well, Trixie's still my nickname. In fact, sometimes when I meet people down here, they don't always remember Dana, but if I tell them my name is Trixie, they all remember Trixie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, they call me the church lady down here. Really? Why is that? Because I own a church. Oh, 
<laughs> I just told you that we're opening up the Church of Yoga. Oh my gosh. I thought you meant like they called you church lady from your past. No, they call you church lady because you bought the church. I'm the, I love it. I'm the church, baby. Welcome to the Church of Yoga. Yeah. But Trixie was the name of the restaurant. Right. And so everybody called me Trixie. When I, so when I started my Facebook page, I thought, hmm, I wonder if some of those old characters will track my ass down. So I put Trixie as my middle name. Yeah. Dana Trixie Flynn. And so really, Lotus is the clean, loving, uplifting, energetic, plug into spirit Mm -hmm. expression of the, you know, my longing to connect with each other. Because then we never feel alone. Like when I was in high school, I threw a a dance marathon for 24 hours and raced $50,000 $50,000 for muscular dystrophy because my home life wasn't easy. Mm. So, but if I went to school and I was connected with the kids and I was on team and I was the president of the school and I was doing community work and bringing everybody together and we danced for 24 hours and raised money for something bigger, that we're yeah. part of something bigger. And instead of our differences, that we can celebrate the diversity and the unity in the diversity. And so those that community building was like, you know, you don't have to go far to see, like you have to go where it's warm. And that's what was warm for me. It wasn't warm at my home. Yeah. It wasn't my parents' fault. They just did, were like a little uh, distracted. And so I could be a part of something. I could feel nourished. I could feel good. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's why everybody knows if I could give away the yoga, the classes, I always you walk in the door, I'm like, you're on me. You're on the, every festival I teach at. I put it under Bali Spirit Festival or this one. They all come, you know, they all come as my guests because this is what it's about for me. It's a we thing, you know? And so I don't care about the asanas. I mean, they're great. I care about the energy that's in my heart. The mm-hmm. shape for me of the asana is the shape of my heart. Mm-hmm. I want my heart. To, I want to awaken my heart. I, I ask God most days, help me stay in my heart. All of this is it's fine, but it's not my destination. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like the means to getting there for, yeah, I that's mean, it's, the, it's the inroad. It's like the alignment of warrior two. It's valuable, but my direction is, does this bring me closer to God or away from God? Mm. Does this bring me, how can I be a better servant and a better leader? Mm-hmm. How can I give back? That's the yoga for me. And I love a fierce, physical, spirited practice, but the whole exploration of it for me is to tap into this mystical energy of the universe which is god and god's creatures and share the love yeah so do you remember thinking back like when you first felt that connection in yoga was it like your first class where you went whoa lightning bolts or did it take a while was it a specific teacher well i was always inspired by sharon gannon Mm -hmm. always always she was so i mean she can't she had she was such a reader. She was a librarian. Huh. And I'm a big reader. And so uh, I remember one day, asked, I couldn't lift my leg in Utita Hasta Padangistasana. Mm-hmm. And I've been a big jock. People see me now and they say, hey, Dee, you're so flexible, right? But I wasn't. It's like another name for magic is repetition. I just mm. I just got, took an Uber over to get some paint. And the guy said, I was looking, I couldn't, my rollerblades are in New York and I wanted to go rollerblading. And he said, oh, I tried it a couple of times, but I was never any good. And I said, well, nobody's ever can do anything after a couple try times. You got to do it. Oh my gosh. I have this conversation with my daughter every day. She's four. It's like, 
You just got to do it, babe. You just got to keep doing it. Keep doing it again and again and again. Yeah. One of my hashtags this whole year was magic takes guts. Like staying on the path is the guts, you know? And so, so I remember this one day when Sharon and I have stayed connected. We don't see each other a lot, but um, we stayed connected. I surprised her not too long ago and knocked on their door up in Woodstock. But, you know, we have the same umbrella, all of us. The umbrella of yoga includes all the teachers. Yep. But our Jason's expression of it, my expression of it, even Jasmine's expression of it is so different because there's as many yogas as they're all, all of us. Yep, I agree. You know, how we grew up, our different backgrounds, what, what turns us on, what, what we're passionate about, what we get fired up about, what we want to share that day for going if we're depressed and it's winter or we've lost somebody in our family or if we're in love and we're having a little baby and yeah you know like different things i could tell when sharon would come in and she'd be in love you know what i mean i could tell when she was going through something like and um i love movement i love speed i love momentum i i used to go to the club and so that's why we call lotus the home to the party and the prayer yeah because you you and i are not going to the club anymore nope but you want to still have that feeling of like being uplifted and celebrating. Yeah, celebrating life. Celebration, joy. And so this church is going to have, you know, a stage. Nowhere in New Orleans right now can you go take a yoga class and get the live music of New Orleans. In New Orleans, you're going to go hear either no music, which would completely kill my spirit. I might just die on the spot. (laughs) Or you get yoga music in the class. The live, legendary, tenacious rhythms of New Orleans are going to be in the church with wow. the yoga. Cool. That's so cool. That's Celebration Hall. Yeah. The next room is Contemplation Hall. It's going to be meditative practices and mantra practice and restorative classes. And the back part going to be a cafe. Mm. We're going to also feed the homeless once a week. But it's not called feeding the homeless because I found from feeding those less less uh, opportune that they feed me mm. i'm fed by them yeah you are the church lady dana you are the church lady yeah i am the church lady so well and i grew up the only goy in scarsdale which is funny but anyway so sharon said to me so i'm trying to lift my leg and teach a hasta and i'm telling you i would be looking down at it right and like it just would not lift i'd be like halfway down she said yamas and niyamas she didn't give a shit how lot. She wanted me to go deeper. Mm. And then I looked up the yamas and niyamas. I mean, it was kind of provocative because that's, I, my relationship with her is going to be different than it was with my good friend. Mm-hmm. Like my relationship with every student is different or friends. We bring out, we need different things from each other. So I like that I had to go deeper. You know, what ended up happening much after that was that there was a lot of competition, like God. My God's better than your God. My yoga's better than your yoga. So I left and studied Tai Chi for many years and learned three forms of Kung Fu. Hmm. And I went to China while I lived in San Francisco with my Shifu. I was studying Swimming Dragon. It's a beautiful form. Then I got was turned on always by Rumi's poetry and the beautiful understanding of the turn, of the, uh, of the Mevlevi turn and this turning we're human and divine meat and this returning home and that everything you're not is turning outside of yourself. So I studied the turn and I went to Turkey and I went to Istanbul and I went to Rumi's uh, and I went to Sham, his teacher. That was his teacher that awakened his heart from being just a philosopher and a scholar to becoming the most well-known and well-read poet. 
because Shams, meaning the sun, changed it from a scholar to this longing for God is God. It's mm-hmm. much like bhakti poetry, like Mirabai and Kabir, that the longing for God, the longing for love is love. And so that poetry and the movement and, and that sense of returning home and that turning on the axis and each one of us is the universe. So what you get with Lotus Flow, most people don't know this, if they think it's just the club, is that it is a moving prayer and that it is very deep and devotional. And it includes my Sufi turning front to back and this way and that way. And oh. into signature poses. It has um, Sufi wisdom in it. I never knew that about your classes. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't been in them for a minute, but they go front to back and they come through center and there's a lot of weaving back and forth and coming up high. And then, yeah. uh, and then it also brings together like Tai Chi, you learn a movement and then you learn a movement that threading on the breath. Mm. So it incorporates all my loves. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Tai Chi and Sufi is in Lotus Flow. Yeah. And it, and it was an inspiration from that article early on where you got to see that. And then I'll um, pause for a moment with you. I get excited <laughs> where you see that Krishnamacharya included Western gymnastics in wrestling into the vinyasa krama that we know today, mm-hmm. that that was only 1935 to about early forties. But we think of, Oh, but if you open up the old book from 1885, no warrior one, no warrior two, no warrior three, no standing poses, no Surya, mostly guys, in full lotus on tigers. And I have that whole book from the Mysore palace. Yeah. You know, that came because when Krishnamacharya was asked by the Prince of Mysore to come and be the yoga teacher to revitalize yoga, he moved into a gymnastics hall. That's what was in the palace was a gymnastics hall. So instead of him saying tradition, tradition, mm-hmm. don't change a fucking thing. These are fossils. Don't touch them. He included it. He incorporated it. So, Chaturanga, you know, the lifting up of the wrestling and jumping back, mm-hmm. the Danda push-ups and the ropes down the wall. And then you get to see how, I, you know, the same teacher, Krishnamacharya, taught KPJ and Iyengar, and they teach very differently. Mm-hmm. One went with the more jumping and one went with, like, how do I make yoga accessible to these stiff Americans once he went to the West? Right, and older Blocks people. And-, and, and they took a different route from the same teacher. But his whole idea was that it's infinitely creative. And that we're the ones that make the new footprints. Like they've made their footprints. Now we're going to pass it on like the baton. Yeah. Now you come up with it. You keep the heart of practice alive through your practice. Yeah. And you make it relevant for what's happening around you. Like what are your students? What do they need? Looking at what they need and looking at what you need and what's happening well, in your culture. Well, they don't always know what they need. But yeah, that's yes. true. But you, you as the you teacher. You practice being a good listener. Right. Yeah. So many people don't know, but that that Sufi and Tai Chi and that feeling of really being rooted to the lineage of transformation, but having the the wholehearted invitation to create mm-hmm. and explore and keep the practice alive through you is at the heart of the practice. Right. No, that's really that's awesome. Like I um admire you for what you've developed because I do think it's super unique, and that can be. Scary to figure that out, you know. So, did it take you years to kind of find that unique balance, like you said, of form and formlessness and like discipline and freedom? Was it, did it just kind of develop in your own practice before you 
brought it out into the world or was it just a work It wasn't planned. It's just like, you know, when you look at a Picasso and, and I'm not comparing myself to Picasso, but if you look at an artist's artwork over time, as opposed to like just his blue period when he was depressed and his brother was trapped and went to Spain. If you just looked at Jackson Pollock and you only thought he threw canvas, you know, paint off the canvas, you wouldn't see that he had done, you know, still lives and books and oranges and that, you know, each artist developed their own style to the point where you see a Picasso and you know it's a Picasso. True. But yeah. early on you see self-portraits and you see a blue period and then he comes out of that and it's a Harlequin period. And then you see it start to emerge from a closure to look to a woman to a loose shape that becomes his own style. And so Jasmine and I often inspired each other. She had a ballet Alvin Alley background and I had more of a hip hop background and I would watch her move and she would watch me move. And then we started to see that like, well, Mr. Iyengar moves like himself and as strong as for like 12 year old boys to keep them <laughs> focused, yep. every woman will rip their shoulders and knees out and practice like military boy yoga and, not get to have the feminine beauty of like, and the grace that comes when the energy body, you know, illuminates the physical body. Um, if you go with such a map, but maybe different people need things at different times, you know? Yeah. So I stopped practicing. I was like, okay, I got to find out what it means to move like myself. Krishnamacharya had two students. They moved completely different. I poured myself into thousands of warrior ones and triangle pose. I just stayed on my mat for six years and it was very slow. It was not planned. Hmm. It was not planned. I just showed up. Just evolved. And then I was back in New York and I practiced to the front of the house. Then we went and we started moving to the back of the house and beginning to incorporate the Sufi and the way the, the, the shapes merge and shape shift from one to the other. And then calling on Krishna and calling on Ganesh chanting to them why not do a body mudra and shape coming into kali in the middle and now everybody copies us which is great it's the, like the greatest flattery absolutely and almost everywhere i go everybody knows omg <laughs> like our signature pose and our rainbow warriors and rockstar too isn't rockstar yours i feel like uh, rockstar is yours called it that first it seemed to all like or some people called it wild thing i mean i, I won't you know yeah i'm just happy it moves through me you know that i stay on the mat yeah so, yeah, then those shapes were born. So it really emerged, like if you would have just snapshotted my my practice early on, it's kind of like it's grown over, I'm not going to call it a methodology or anything. You know, it's like a spiritual game of tag. The kids then find shapes that they do, or we do we do a lot of now chaturanga-free surya's mm. because a lot of people don't give a flying donut hole about chaturanga, and I don't care about chaturanga. Like, I love that Eric Schiffman early on, he never taught chaturanga because he didn't practice it. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, he doesn't do crow because he doesn't, but man, put him in a back bend. Oh, I know. You don't have to be all things to all people, right? Mm -hmm. But you can be someone to somebody. Uh huh. Yeah. Right? So over time, it's emerged into that style. Like we said, it takes a long time, but it wasn't planned. It was just like, I stayed on my mat. And you're right. I could have been like, this is scary. This doesn't look like the way other people are doing yoga. But I was so behind it that it, and I didn't really see it grow in the moment as it kept evolving and becoming more of a style and people were taking to it or inviting us here and there to, and if they need the alignment, like this is more like spiritual alignment, you know, like nobody will get hurt going from OMG into tree pose, mm -hmm. especially if you open the body and let the prana flow, usually hurt 
Injury comes with being forced into a pose. And that's what happened to me in Ashtanga. Mm-hmm. Me too. My hamstring yeah. was ripped. My meniscus was ripped. And I said, what? And it was, I'm glad it happened because I said, what am I practicing? What is yoga? And that's how Lotus was born out of my own passionate curiosity to feel alive, to, to dance with the divine, to feel this divinity and this oneness and not keep it for myself. But then because I've benefited so much, I want to get back. Mm-hmm. I want to get back. Mm-hmm. Like, no, God, God isn't a person, you know, or a thing. It's this energy that keeps my heart awake so I can be of service. Mm-hmm. So, Dana, are you moving down there? Like, are you going to just sort of be, I don't know what it's like, I know bi-coastal would be New York, to, you know, West Coast. So I don't No, know. I'm calling bi-coastal New York to New Orleans. New York, to, yeah. Yeah. Because you're going to be down there to start it out and everything. I right? live here. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I live here. And um, let me ask you one more like technical question about your practice. When you were going through those years of developing your practice and now, do you always practice to music? Do you always have music playing? I, well, I'm a big person for mantras. I certainly have practiced like if I'm like yesterday, two days ago, rather, I was under the chime tree in New Orleans and out with the ducks. Oh, I got to. Oh, I can't show you because I'm on the phone with you. No, I'm not going to put there's music in the air. There's ducks quacking. I mean, you don't have how, how ge- loud these geese are. like, <laughs> And the chime tree's going. It's hitting the chimes and the water's flowing. Yeah. And I'm part of the rhythm of the universe. Mm-hmm. But music is a big part of movement for me. Why would I want to move without music? Mm-hmm. Music's going to inspire the movement. Or I might be moving in it and feel something. And then when I'm moving with the music, I try to become the music. And so music is a big part of my story. And now I'm in the birthplace of jazz. Mm. I grew up on Nina Simone. I grew up on disco. I grew up on R&B. I grew up on Mary J and George Benson and Earth, Wind and Fire. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why the energy is there's like a lot of energy, especially in the open dancing part of Lotus. That's bit. And of course, I'm going to play Sia and I'm going to play Rihanna and I'm going to play. And then there's times when you're going to hear mantras and chants. I chant the Maha Mantra, Hare Krishna. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really kept my heart very open and very connected to um, love. It means like Hare Krishna means like yay love. And I and that's been a big part of um, my mantra practice is that Maha Mantra, mm-hmm. the great mantra. And so I, 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 I love Garavani. I love Sean Johnson, uh, the Kirtaniyas. Beautiful Janavi. I love mantras, chanting mantras, moving to mantras, feeling like the mantra is the movement mm. and the mantra is the mudra and making that connection. But I'm aware of my breath as as music and the instrument of the body is pl- like I'm playing this instrument. Yeah. So I don't have to have music because there's music in the... Okay, I'm going to ask you kind of like nerdy questions about this because I love okay. dance. I grew up dancing. I love music. I actually have very similar taste in music to you. Jason thinks it's really funny because he's more of like the punk. He was just a punk in high school. And I was like R&B disco girl. Same. Well, I went from the punk to the funk. I mean, I lived in London at the height of the punk. Oh, in the wow. 70s. Yeah. Yeah. So you I'm guys still can... a huge Patti Smith fan. I can't live without Patti Smith in my life. Yeah. So, but like, okay, when I put on music for my practice, I either just want to dance <laughs> Like I either get kind of ADD and I just want to dance or I find myself getting too attached to like the rhythm of the music and and like I'll speed up my practice too much maybe or something like that. So do you have any advice for kind of it's beginners? You know what? It's so personal and you need different things at different times. Maybe it's ready to dance and 
Once you dance, all that movement, like Eric Schiffman says, will bring you into the stillness. Maybe a good old dance for one big song will allow you to really drop in deeply mm. and be willing to find the balance with a lot of movement and then climb deep into triangle poses or reverse poses or balancing poses. I think that there's no one way and it's very personal and at different times. Like if it's summer, I'm moving different than in the winter. Uh huh. If I'm going through a spell of my life, that's just like popping off on joy. I mean, my practice, you know, if I'm having a harder time making it to the mat or asking for help, or I'm going through something difficult, you know, it keeps looking different. There's no one way, but I think a healthy, for me, the breath is always dancing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we breathe 26,000 times a day and we're aware of about three of them in a yoga class. Yeah, that's so true. Kundalini, you know, consciousness is awakened through the dance of life. I think if you feel like you should do yoga and you should get your poses and you want to move more quickly, then your practice is not going to, you know, it's going to feel like a should and still instead of an invitation or a doorway. It's not a contest. It's not a competition. It's a doorway into your soul. So let it be a doorway. I think you're dancing. You're not going to dance for, for an hour or 30 minutes. Yeah. You probably get a good dance on and then you'll be ready to like surya or go, stay in the shapes longer or do different things on different days. Maybe one day you do the whole standing pose series and stay in it really deep and long. And another day you're like, you're ready to shake it up. The same alarm clock that used to wake you up doesn't wake you up every day. You have to do different things on different days. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I love it. I just find it really, I just feel like what you and Jasmine have built is so unique. Like it's colorful. It looks unique. You know, you have a glitter bar in the New York studio. You, you the way that you present yourself. That wasn't like, planned either. Oh, you okay. know, I went, I went back to New York after Jasmine and I shape shifted. I really had a longing to be in New York. I, had, I felt like I had unfinished business. I didn't know it would meant that I thought I would be with Jasmine for the rest of my life you know, the love of my life. And yet there was a very strong feeling to be in New York. And I had unfinished business. I had so many ideas. I expanded. I opened up the dance hall. People would say to me, what's in the dance hall? What dance is in the dance floor? And I would say, Lotus, Lotus Flow. The breath is dancing. Your spirit is dancing with my spirit. Joy is dancing. Mm -hmm. Body, mind, spirit is dancing. Inside these walls, we're going to move this, the spirit of love outside these walls is dancing. The dance, like there's no dance without the dancer. There's no yoga without the yogi. <laughs> so we, you know what I mean? Like this is the dance of our life. This is the time of our life right now. And so Weight Watchers was moving out. My buddy that knew the building was being sold, got me, helped me get the space, um, even though I tried to get it before. And so suddenly I had a room for 70 yogis and build it and they'll come people say what's in the dance hall and now people say hey I'll sit, are you in the 430 yeah oh my your class is in the dance hall now it's just regular now we're opening up celebration hall and contemplation but the dance hall is the this is the dance of our lives i feel 
and um, I want to feel, you know, connected. What what's at the root of my suffering is that I'm not connected to you. We're yeah. separate. What's at the root of my suffering that I'm not even connected with myself. Mm. That's the worst feeling of suffering, I think. Yeah. And I think that is just like if you could talk to 25, 30, 100 yoga teachers and say like, what was the key for you? And it's like, I found myself, I felt like myself, maybe I had never felt like myself before. And somehow yoga helped facilitate that. Yeah. Feeling more deeply connected to yourself, more deeply connected to humanity. Yeah. And, and a connection with a deeper power or a higher power or mystical energy that some may call God. And mm -hmm. so for me, it's a big God smack because of my fiery personality, anger can fly up, impulsiveness can fly up. All the things that get in the way, I, I get to work on them and say like, well, how can I grow? How can these be opportunities for me to heal? Mm -hmm. You know, and yoga is really like taking healing into your hands and it's how I physicalize gratitude. It's how I spiritualize gratitude. Can't just be for a better triangle. It's gotta be like, I wanna reach, I want I want this heart to like, like a Bugs yeah. Bunny heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I want this heartbeat to be like, I want my arms to just be open. And I wouldn't have found yoga unless I was suffering. And a lot of the yoga teachers, when they first begin to graduate teacher training, and they'll say to me, I'm not qualified to teach yoga, or I don't feel qualified. And I'm like, have you suffered? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, you're qualified. Mm. You know, like, for me, again, the asana has to be the shape of your heart and giving back. Yeah. Otherwise, this, this union or this reunion or this connection it's too self-centered to be focused on your personal yoga practice yeah it's great if you get stronger it's great if you get more patient it's great if you feel less nervous and you worry less and you have more joy in your life but to keep it to yourself feels like it would have to be called something else mm, yeah so you bought the church and you decided to call it the church of yoga <laughs> did you have to think twice about that or were you just like boom this is the church of it yoga was a boom. Andrea it was a boom because it could be that laughing lotus is in a masonic hall or that laughing lotus is in a synagogue or and it could still be called laughing lotus but I knew it had to be called the church of yoga yeah yeah and there's a baptismal in there so the one thing that remains despite termites and water damage and this inner structure that like I'm transforming through my practice I've got this outer instrument but inside like even the poets say, you know, like, you know, speak to this inner world, this inner landscape to work as much as we do internally as we do externally. And sometimes with the poses, there's such a focus on the external, which ties into our ego type A driven jam. Mm -hmm. We're not going to suddenly go off the mat and then walk onto the mat and be like, mm -hmm. <laughs> we can do all the namastes we want. But we can't be one inch off the mat here and then walk onto the mat and all of a sudden I'm liberated. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're still the same person one inch off the mat. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a it's a slow process, right? And I love the shapes and I love movement more than anything. I mean, it's my medicine. Movement is my medicine. But movement with a purpose, you know, where you really begin, you move, you know, through the process of self-discovery, you get to um, explore why you're here and what your sacred purpose is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had to call it Church of Yoga. I'm gonna play on it. I think it's funny. I've got Jesus hands, although they just look like Namaste hands, uh -huh. like those Jesus hands. And we're gonna do up the baptismal in there. It's an old gospel church on the door. It says, 
where the Holy Ghost hangs out. You know, some people call it the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Uh -huh. It sounds like, ooh. But there isn't a lot of history. Like, some people are like, what do you think about you putting yoga in a Baptist church? Like, why not? It was a hardware store before that. The last preacher, who was not a good guy like the father was, who passed, stole from the church. Like, mm. who's a white girl coming into a black Baptist church and doing yoga there? Well, it could be a hardware store again. Why not? What is the meaning of a church to somebody? Community, where we care about each other, where we look out for each other, where we're uplifted. That's the spirit of a church mm -hmm. or a synagogue. You know, maybe not the church we grew up in. Certainly my church wasn't like that. Yeah. But the one I want to reboot today is like, you know, the yoga for me is that we care about each other and we can express that. Yeah. That's, you know, I had a fifth, I had a acted out all through grade school um, because I told you my, my house was beautiful, but it was my experience of it wasn't easy. So when I went to school, I acted out, getting in trouble, passing notes. I didn't know at the time I was creating attention, but it kept me from learning and being a good student because I was always getting in trouble and I didn't know how to break the cycle. And then I had a fifth grade teacher and she saw me like she really saw me, Andrea, for the first time. And she saw my potential and I didn't even know I had potential. Mm. I was, I was just reacting and acting out all over the place. Yeah. And when she saw me and listened, she gave me hope and she turned my world around. And it really is what yoga does. This fifth grade teacher made me care. I started to pay attention. I was proud to do my homework. I was learning. I could have been in the woods smoking pot, mm -hmm. you know, having an early birth, you know, like abortion, like the, a lot of the other girls. It's just literally a sliding doors. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep. I mean, I still later on had some destructive behavior, but then yoga was that thing that helped me change how I see things, change my perspective. Like the horses in Central Park, they have the blind. Like I only saw one way. I only, then yoga's like bigger, bigger, vast, cosmic. Like, you know. You like are a part of, of all I'm, of this. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm, feel, I'm like experiencing the secrets of the universe, mm -hmm. you know. And um, <laughs> that fifth grade teacher reminded me that one person can change your world around. And she changed how I saw the world and how I saw, I saw myself yourself. in it. That's huge. And that's what we want to do for, for people down here that might still be, whether they're, whatever, wherever they're at, we will meet you where you're at. We're here to love you. You know, one of my favorite mantras at Lotus is let us love you until you can love yourself. Oh, that's so nice. That Everybody needs that. <laughs> you know, I mean, even if you do kind of on some level love yourself, you still need that. We just need each other. We just need each we other. Need and each like other. you said, people need to be seen and acknowledged. And I think I see with my own daughter, like when she gets upset about things, like she might get upset about the strangest, to what to me seems like some petty thing, but she just needs for me to say like, wow, that's really hard right now, isn't it? That's really, I can, I understand what you're saying. Like you're saying this and I'll repeat it back to her. And she's, and then it just suddenly the stress and the anxiety of the things she was thinking about and holding on to is just gone. It's like, we just need that outer, validation sometimes it's so important to be acknowledged and to be listened to and so mrs roshan has long passed but i feel like you know through this slow kind of thawing out of our and the let peeling back the layers that have covered us through crazy teachers and old you know <laughs> untruths about us they're not true 
but they seem like the truth about ourselves, that they're untruths, but we can still believe them. You know, we get to really um, live with, with happiness, you know, like we get to really be happy in our day and share it. And um, that's my intention here. Like things can still be difficult. My good friend's mother is dying right now of cancer. You know, in that day, she might have a moment of, you know, peace, but it's, we have to practice it in the midst of it. And I'm reading a book called The Connected Child, speaking Ooh. to what you said about your daughter. Sounds good. And um, al although I doubt she's experienced the trauma that these kids have had, to build trust with somebody, it takes time and they need consistency and they need to be heard. And they, you know, not like, oh, that's not a big deal. Well, to her, it's a big deal. I know. Let her know. It's hard. Even though you're like, but you really spoke to it. And that's one of the most important things. Like, you're a big boy. Big boys don't cry or whatever the message is, you know. Mm -hmm. And so because I had signed up to um, foster a child oh. down here because I've been momming the kids for all this time and whether the kids getting married or, you know, or breaking up all the things that they go through yeah. in 17 years of having a yoga center. Like when I had the bar, they'd be like, I need an abortion. I need money for this. You know, like now the situations are different, but they, you know, they still come to Ma, mm -hmm. the den mother with different things going on, a lump in their breast, things, you know, and that's been my bonus family for all these years and now that I'm living down here and mm -hmm. opening a church, my commute is 50 feet, as you saw. Yeah. I signed up. I will see if it's God's will for foster care. But to be that mom that I always wanted to have. That's awesome. Yeah. Like you're saying, and to be aware of not like overly, weirdly sensitive on eggshells, but to really be that person that can show up for somebody in a way where you can meet each other like you're saying yeah oh my gosh you are just like in your dharma right now aren't you it's like all happening i mean it obviously you've been doing working on all of this for a long time but i'm really happy for you thank you thank you andrea do people in the neighborhood know it's coming like is it kind of a connected neighborhood where people talk or you know have you tried to talk to people about it are people excited? Yeah, well, they're happy to finally see work getting done because it takes a minute to get permits and all that. Right, right, right. So they kind of knew about it, but now they're seeing work done and I'm on my scooter all the time and you saw me wave to my neighbor. And yeah. They, he's got five kids next door. Wow. And the mom's never around. The grandmother raises the kids. So I taught, I showed him hopscotch because the grandmother has a bad knee. Yeah. I bought electric light up jump ropes. Nice. Oh my so god. Double Dutch out there. And so I'm playing with the kid a lot because I have like this boundless energy and grandma had like knee surgery. So the neighbors know me like in the immediate area, but you know, as we get closer to opening, I'm going to get like on my <laughs> one of those and like, I have, we have like a yeah, megaphone. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get like, we're going to do stencils on the streets in different colors and mm. we'll put up some pop-up classes right by the church in the park. Yeah. But we just did the framing. We're we're pretty far away. You know, it's going to be 2017. Yeah. Which everyone else will be like, but D, DTF, that's like right here. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're still raising money to make it all happen, right? Do you have a, do you have like a crowdfunding site or anything? Yeah, we just started it. It's everyone's like, well, if it was a 501c3, I'd give more. And I'm like, I've never asked any of you for anything in 17 years. Yeah. If you want to donate? Great. If you don't, what can I do? You know? 
But I can send you the link if you'd like. Well, we will put the link, yeah, on the show notes page for sure. Okay. So people can cool. can can contribute. And I'm sure you have to like hire teachers and you've got to do get you're getting the live bands and Yeah. Everybody's already like, How can I help? When can I come down? November twenty eighth, we're gonna paint the front of the church. You saw it all you saw the visual for the church, right? Yeah, it looks so beautiful. All the flowers, and we're gonna paint that November twenty eighth, nine thirtieth. And then Dolly Parton is Wednesday night. I said, if you come down and paint, I'll buy you Dolly Parton tickets. What? Oh, Yay. my gosh. Oh, I wish go I could come. We're going to get some Jolene on, baby. Oh, you said November 30th? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I wonder if there's any way I could come. That would be so fun. That would be heaven on earth. Yeah, it would. It would. Well, regardless, like I am definitely going to somehow get a, a trip to New Orleans going when you're up and running and bring my daughter. This is a truism. Every lineage, every teacher. So I know Jason's schedule's full, but like Faith Hunter and other teachers, I'm like, every lineage is invited. This is one, you pick a weekend, Friday night class, Saturday morning, the kids, everyone else going to teach can go teach. You can come down for the weekend and Jason can teach a class. Yeah. Everybody's invited. Thank you. Thank you. No, every, that's what I, <laughs> I know. Like, I know. I love me some load of flow, but I love it all. Yeah, me too. Me too. That's why I'm doing the podcast, actually. It just, there's like yeah, room for like, everyone's room for every let voice. Me, you all come down for a weekend Let's and you just teach just one class and we let everybody know, you know, I, that's what I want is this open dialogue, this open exchange where we all turn each other on to what we're excited about. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe we can have a little dance party. Yeah. <laughs> Bring all our friends together. It'd be really yeah. fun. Yeah. Well, you're invited. Thank you, Dana. Thank you so much. And I'm really, I'm like genuinely so excited for you. I'm so excited for New Orleans and all the people nearby. I think this is such a great project. I agree with you. Like, I feel like the diversity in yoga is growing, but it's, the, there still needs to be more effort. There needs to be more outlet, outreach. There needs to be more accessibility for people who don't have a yoga studio on their corner. So look at you, you're right. building a yoga studio on that corner. It's awesome. I can already feel it popping off. Like everybody in the neighborhood is going to come on down. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited for you. Yeah. Thank, thank you so you. much for your time. And we'll talk to you soon. I can't wait. Loving you. Loving life. Love you too. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. Okay, everyone, as I mentioned, I will put links to Dana's Indiegogo campaign to support the building of this donation-based studio on the show notes page, and that is yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 24. See you next week, everyone. Enjoy your practice. And I can swing the jazz like-